I like to win. If I want to do something, I like to do it right. To be a champion, you got to have uh, uh, determination. You got to uh, have guts. You got to train and let nothing come between you and what you want that goal you want to reach. The modern Olympic Games were first held in 1896 in Athens, Greece. 1904 saw the first black man, George Poage, win an Olympic medal, while 1908 was the first time a black man, John Taylor, would win an Olympic gold medal. Women's events in track and field were first introduced at the 1928 Games, while 1936 was the first time a black woman would have the chance to compete, with Tidy Pickett breaking that barrier. With both the 1940 and 1944 Olympics canceled due to World War II, it wasn't until the London 1948 Games where we saw not only the first black woman win an Olympic medal, but also the first black woman win an Olympic gold. Alice Coachman, with a gold medal in the high jump, was a pioneer who stood at the top of the podium for the first time in Olympic history, opening the door and paving the way for the many who would follow in the years and decades after. My name is Anderson for Track and Field Black History, and today we'll tell the story of Alice Coachman from the United States, the 1948 Olympic champion in the women's high jump. Born in 1923, Alice Coachman's hometown of Albany, Georgia, was in the deep segregated South during the time of Jim Crow laws. The fifth of 10 siblings, when she was very young, they all had to work in various capacities to contribute to the family's needs. But we came up where you had to pick cotton, you had to pick peaches, uh, pick up pecans, shake peanuts, and everything. Sometime I was taken out of school to do that. But uh, when I look back at that now, I'm glad that I learned those things, but I wouldn't want to go back to that stage again. Though she didn't know about track and field, Coachman enjoyed being active and playing with her siblings growing up, showing sparks of greatness as she was the fastest in her family, even at a very young age. Though her city did have a track and other parks for people to enjoy and engage in various sports, due to segregation, black families were not allowed to go to many of them. Because of that, Coachman would just run up and down the road and play ball with her siblings. During the segregated days, there were track fields, but uh, you couldn't go to the uh, blacks couldn't use the track field. So I had to run up and down the road and all to train. And uh, before that, I didn't know anything about track. I just uh, started skipping and jumping and playing ball with the boys. And uh, At the time, they would even create makeshift games in the local playground. Though she was fast, her brothers and sisters claimed that she couldn't jump as well as them. They would take a rope, sticks, rags, or whatever they could find and see who could jump the highest and farthest. Sometimes in the playground, they would even do more games, and Coachman was able to really show her jumping abilities. In these games, Coachman would almost always come out as a winner, again showing some early athletic potential. At one point in 1939, a teacher at her school saw her jumping and told the football coach at the local Madison High School about her. This eventually led to a huge opportunity for her to compete at the Tuskegee Relays in 1939, which was the oldest African-American relay meet in the country. At those relays, Coachman would compete in the high jump, in which she would break the high school record in the event. Because of her performance, 
she quickly got another opportunity to now travel all the way up to Connecticut competing in the high jump again. And though it wasn't official, she actually set a mark that would have been the American record. So from playing on the streets in Georgia with no access to tracks and certain playgrounds in the neighborhood to being one of the greatest athletes in the country. Just a few years prior, in 1936, Tidy Pickett became the first black woman to compete at the Olympic Games. Though she didn't know yet, Coachman was well on her way to breaking barriers of her own at the Olympics. All the while as she's competing, Coachman's parents are not really in favor of her participating in athletics. They were more interested in her focusing on school and not getting distracted with other things. For some context, in the early 20th century, women didn't have many opportunities to compete in sports. And for black women, it was even more limited. There were a combination of factors, but one of them being that society as a whole didn't view women as truly capable of competing in sports and doing, quote, strenuous activity. Unfortunately, this view was extremely prevalent throughout the entire country. And uh, then he asked my mother and father if I could come over and stay at Tuskegee and go to school there and on a working scholarship and that they would take care of me and I would be uh, living on the dorm, be well taken care of. And mom and papa said no, but I said yes. I said, well, I'm going anyway. So finally they gave in and I went to Tuskegee. Harry Lash is the one that took me to uh, Tuskegee. So despite their hesitations, Coachman's parents finally allowed her to attend Tuskegee Preparatory Institute in Alabama when she was offered a scholarship in 1939. While at Tuskegee, Coachman balanced her education and athletics while also working a job as well. She even played on the school's basketball team. As noted, Coachman knew she was talented, but she was completely unaware of a larger world of sports or what competing at the Olympics would even be like. The 1940 Olympics were scheduled to be held in Tokyo, Japan, and then later moved to Helsinki, Finland, but they were quickly canceled due to the outbreak of World War II in both Asia and Europe. The 1944 Olympics were also to be held in London, but similarly were canceled due to World War II. But Coachman had no idea about an Olympics in 1940, and in 1944, when she initially did hear about what the Olympics were and the possibility to compete at them, she was quickly told that her focus would be for the next one in 1948. Well, they were doing that time, uh, we were uh, just USA, uh, US, junior USA girls because everything was, uh, the war was going on and we had the soldiers on the campus, as you know about the 99th Pursuit Squadron. So we were trying to entertain them. And I had no idea, uh, a matter of fact, I didn't even worry about uh, the 39 or 40 Olympics. And when I heard about the Olympics, it was in 44, and they said, well, you got to train for the other. But uh, no one told, really explained it to me. Maybe I didn't ask, I don't know, but I knew nothing about it. When they thing I knew that I was going to um, 48, in the 10 years between 1939 and 1948, Coachman was winning multiple AAU championships, including 10 consecutive high jump titles, five titles in the 50-meter dash, and three titles in the 100-meter dash. She was by far the best athlete in the country and one of the fastest athletes in the world. It was very clear that she would have been a medal contender, very likely gold, had the Olympics been held in either 1940 or 1944. 
But leading up to the 1948 Olympic trials, despite being one of the best athletes in the country, Coachman never had proper facilities to really train at, especially back home in Albany, Georgia, as she had now transferred to Albany State College in 1947. She specifically had no training partners and no coach. But she did manage to get permission and financial help to go back and train in Tuskegee. And soon, in the summer of 1948, she was off to Providence, Rhode Island for the Olympic trials. There, Coachman chose to only compete in the high jump, despite being the best athlete in the 100-meter dash, having run a time of 12 seconds a few years earlier. Though she easily made the team winning the high jump, her coach was not very pleased that she didn't do the 100-meter dash as well. But I had no one there to train, so uh, they let me, um, uh, Aaron Brown, the president of Albany State College, let me go back to Tuskegee where I could get some competition. So I went back there and they had the um, uh, tryouts, and uh, my coach got angry with me because I wouldn't try out for but nothing but the high jump, where I had been All-American team for three or four years consecutive. I had been in uh, one year high jump for since 1939 up until 47, which was going into 48. And I had won the National at Friendly with AAU uh, records. Well, actually, I was the fastest thing in the United States and Canada. Regardless, she qualified for her first Olympic team, along with 11 other women, nine of whom were black, which was a huge milestone in athletics. Women only started competing at the Olympics in 1928. And remember, the first black woman, Tidy Pickett, had competed in 1936. So to now have 12 women and nine black women was a history-making moment but that would just be the beginning. On August 7th, 1948, at the Olympic Games in London, England, Alice Coachman would cement herself in history. After watching fellow teammate Audrey Patterson finish third place in the 200 just a day earlier, becoming the first black woman to win an Olympic medal in any sport, Coachman followed up and went two steps above. In the high jump, Coachman cleared a height of 1.68 meters, five feet, six inches, on her first attempt. Though Dorothy Tyler of Great Britain also cleared the same height, she did it on her second attempt. What that meant was Coachman won the Olympic gold medal, becoming the first black woman in history to ever be crowned Olympic champion. When I saw it on the boat, A. Coachman, USA, number one. He told me that uh, one of the uh, officials came over and told me, Mr. Coachman, come on, go to the podium. I didn't know what was going on. I went on, stood up there, and they started uh, playing the uh, national anthem. Coachman talks about how one of her secrets to success was a lemon that she would carry around at competitions and would take just a squeeze of juice from instead of drinking water or Gatorade. I had a lemon from the time I started in 1939. Every time I went to an indoor meet, a uh, high jump, uh, uh, high jump, or I had to high jump, uh, indoor or outdoors, I always had a lemon. Uh, kind of superstitious, you may say. And uh, first time I didn't have it, I lost my 50-yard dash. And I, from that day on, then I started carrying around lemon again. I carried it uh, where a lot of people drink um, Coca-Colas and uh, drink uh, other uh, Gatorade. This lemon, to me, 
All I had to do is to get it soft, and when my mouth and my got tired and dry on the inside, I would just squeeze a little of that lemon, and it kept me light. I didn't have that heavy water and syrup and stuff so that I couldn't go over the bar, because I had to jump up and go over, and you had to be light to go over it. So I always had a lemon. Now, upon returning to the United States, though there was tons of celebration, Unfortunately, things were not as smooth sailing and amazing as one would expect. After the Olympics, the medalists and other Olympic participants were honored for their accomplishments at the Games. Coachman had the opportunity to meet President Harry Truman later that year, and her hometown of Albany even threw a very small parade to celebrate her achievement. But this was still the segregated southern United States. It's said that the mayor of her city refused to truly acknowledge her achievement despite her being the first Olympic medalist from the city. After the games though, Coachman, now 24 years old, ended her athletic career and went on to engage in various different opportunities in her life. She earned her degree from Albany State College and would become a teacher in both Georgia and South Carolina. She also got involved in coaching athletes herself and later established a nonprofit foundation to support young athletes and provide assistance to retired Olympic athletes. One of her most notable post-athletic achievements was signing as a spokeswoman for the Coca-Cola company, making Coachman the first black woman to endorse an international product in 1952. She would soon be appearing on billboard ads alongside 1936 Olympic champion Jesse Owens. During the 1940s, women were not seen as capable of competing in sports and doing quote, strenuous activity. Athletes lost the opportunity to compete in their prime years due to world war, and when they did eventually compete, the competitions were not televised or broadcast for others to see. Despite that, Coachman defied all the odds and went on to become the Olympic champion, the first black woman to do so in history. To be a champion, you got to have uh, uh, determination, you got to uh, have guts, you got to train and let nothing come between you and what you want that goal you want to reach. She would inspire generations of black women who would go on to win multiple medals in the years after her and carry on what it means to truly be a champion. Be sure to follow us on wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the Instagram for more stories and athlete highlights. And we'll be back again next time for more track and field black history. Thanks for listening. Thank you to the Washington Film and Media Archive for the interview audio with Alice Coachman.